just Jersey, man. We're a different breed. Let's go! Who doesn't want to win in Jersey? The Scarlet Knights did not have a national champion before tonight, and it's all you times two. What's going on, everybody? Big weekend in the Big Ten's breakdown in the barn, episode six. We are back. We're live uh, with my man, Eric Minock. Eric, how you making out? What are your initial thoughts from the weekend? No, we're making out good. I think a couple things, John. Number one, obviously, the fact that we've got five going to the Nationals. If you think back to the beginning of the season, our last couple of years, you'd expect, hopefully, that this Rutgers program would send more to five. But ironically, even though we're only sending five, in my opinion, John, this is probably the best shot we have at getting three or even possibly more All-Americans. Okay, in the past, we've always had one or two we thought could squeak through. But let's break it down really at a high level. We had three place winners that automatically qualified, and we've kind of run down them over, over the past, over, over the weekend. And I know you did a couple of rundowns as well. And to me, the biggest surprise is not necessarily that he qualified. I think you and I both agreed he would, but Mikey Van Brill, Mikey Merkel Van Brill, okay? After taking that opening loss that we knew he was going against a wrestler who was a thrower, we didn't love the matchup, especially the way Mike's you know, style is. We knew it would be a tough run to come back and place here. I still thought even if he didn't place top eight, he was going to get the at-large. But boy, did he go on a run, okay? And he blowed through, um, I think, three top five ranked wrestlers in terms of the tournament, um, top 15 seeds, all three of them in terms of the overall rankings. And to me, I, I think just the tournament of his life. And I am so proud of the kid. Um, he won in convincing fashion the way, you know, kind of he, he works his tie-ups um, the way he loves to run that Merkel from very top. So to me, that was a really bright surprise. And I like him. I like the, the, the momentum he has going into this tournament. We talked about it. He had a bunch of losses early in the year, but they were all the tough wrestlers. He's kept them tight. He's taking the momentum he had from last year. We knew Van Brill was, was just needed that little bit of extra oomph to get through that little bit of offense. I really like the way he performed. Yeah, okay. you know, and you said three. He actually beat four guys in the top 15. I think it went number five, seven, 12, and 15 that he beat um, in that road to third. And that was that was a true All-American performance. I mean, that's what – you do that at Nationals, you're finishing in the, in the top six. Um, you know, really, I know we talked about this earlier. You know, he was, I believe, 0-3 at the time, 0-2. But we were saying – He's wrestling like an all-American title, uh, all-American podium threat. And, you know, he showed it. He showed it uh, yesterday. Also, I know I mentioned uh, Peyton Omania. That's a guy that I saw that matchup, and I was like, oh, man, I, you know, I um, didn't like that matchup. I think if Mikey gets him again, he wrestles a little smarter and doesn't get that headlock. Good to happen in the Big Ten. That guy's going to Nationals, too. He got a bid. That guy's going to be a landmine. Wherever he goes in the bracket, he's going to get a bad seed. And, um, you know, whoever faces him is going to have a, a bit of issues. I knew he was a scary opponent. And, yeah, Mike Van Brill, man, that, he, that was a heck of a performance. Yeah, what I like about that performance in general is you always a wrestler will always come through, maybe get the big upset, um, and then they have a tendency after they get the big upset, maybe have a little bit of a letdown. The fact that he had upset after upset after upset, and then he had the big revenge match against Purdue, 
um, to me, that shows that he's shaping into form. This wasn't a one-hit wonder in the tournament. This is a wrestler who showed he was prepared. He's got his game plan down pat despite that first opening loss, okay? So I really like the momentum here because, like I said, this wasn't just kind of a fluke win or he caught somebody. He really showed consistency throughout the tail end of this tournament, and I just I like that momentum going on. And one last thing I want to say, John, about Mikey Van Brill, um, and I don't think he'd remember it, but I remember running into Mikey's dad at when Rutgers Russell Princeton, if you recall, when they played at High Point Solution Stadium out on the floor. And if I recall, he took a tough loss. And I, I looked at him, I said, you know what? In a couple of years, you're going to completely forget about this. One day your son's going to be wrestling at nationals and you're going to be looking at an All-American status. It's come to pass. So that makes me feel good. The fact that it's come, he's, he's basically come full circle here. Um, I hope he comes back next year because we know this is a free year. This is not Mikey's last year. If he doesn't, yeah. I think he might have a similar situation next year where maybe, you know, the first half of the year he's not enrolled for classes, makes, maybe take some grad courses. So, but I don't want to look to next year. I want to concentrate on this year. And speaking of this year, let's jump then to basically Seabass. And we, we knew he was a, 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 not just a, a contender to win the Big Ten championships, but win the whole thing. Obviously, he takes third, so he doesn't get the, the Big Ten championships. That would have been three in a row. But between you and me, John, I'm happy with this performance. He took a tough locking hand, which really put him in a bind. That put it into sudden victory. He looked a little gassed in that, in that sudden victory bout to give up the two points. But to me, that's the layoff of five weeks of not wrestling. To me, he came back, battled strong, took red, you know, with the one-point win. So to me, I like the fact that he's starting around into shape. Let's go to nationals. Let's 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 learn from that loss. Nikki Lee didn't didn't he had a good tough match against uh, against Iowa in the finals. To me, these three wrestlers, any one of them can win it. Um, but here's my issue. What is the seating going to be like at 141 come nationals? Because I think that plays a little bit against some of these wrestlers. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So first off, unbelievable match. Him and Nick Lee, that was one of the best matches that I've watched in a long time. I mean, I'm definitely the match of the weekend. It was back and forth, um, you know, any any given day. I'll tell you what, those three, Ironman Lee, Seabass, they're definitely the top three in the country. Even Red, I'll throw him in there, probably number four, but not at that level of those top three. Now, um, the way the seating works, it, it's going to be a little wonky. Now, we know the wrestling nomad comes out with this every year. He comes out with the seatings, and um, usually he, he does it based on the criteria. He figures all this stuff out, and he, he came out with the seatings last year and was almost on point. He came out with these seatings. Uh, for 133, and the way the seedings went, it was Ironman one, second was Wilson from NC State, third was Demas from Oklahoma, fourth, Lee, fifth, Sebastian Rivera. So you got the top three guys in the weight at the top side of the bracket. I'm hoping things are a little wonky this year, so he's not as uh, good as he's been in the past, um, the Nomad, and predicting these things. But, you know, that's an interesting scenario where you're going to have that be a quarterfinal match. You could have that be a quarterfinal matchup. I'm hoping it don't doesn't come to that. I really think, uh, you know, Lee and uh, Lee and Seabass should be the second and third seed in this tournament. But it might. That, that might come to fruition where these guys are all on the same side of the bracket. Um, if it happens... Seabass has to do what Seabass does, and he wins that tournament. That is amazing if he comes out as a fifth seed and, and runs the gamut. But we'll, we'll have, I'm interested when these brackets come out. I'm interested to see what happens. 
Yeah, my take on that is is, is this way. If you want to win the whole thing, you got to beat the best. So in my yeah. mind, regardless, he was going to have to go through Nick Lee and Ironman to begin with, okay? Ironman presents some different um, challenges than Nick Lee does. They're a little bit different style wrestlers, okay? And let me tell you something. Ironman had that cross that, that cross leg takedown he had on Lee early in that match. It was beautiful, okay? Ironman came out to wrestle, and I thought he was going to run away with this match. But Nick Lee, I got to give this guy some credit because I've always liked Nick Lee as a wrestler. I always thought maybe he wasn't in the same category as Ironman, okay? Um, and to me, he showed me something because that you're right. That was a tremendous matchup. I thought near the end, Ironman was more of a borderline staller in that match. Um, and I hate to say that. I don't like accusing people of that. Um, but I really thought Nick Lee was bringing the pressure at the end, and you would think it would be just the yeah. reverse. So I agree with you. I think all three, three of these guys are neck and neck. They're different styles. They, present, they both present different challenges for Sebastian. But in my view, my issue with, with the potential seeds is, A, it's, one for, it, it's the Big Ten's fault, okay? We made a decision, and I don't want to get into, you know, why we did what we did, but we were not allowed to wrestle other teams outside the conference, so that limited the matchups. Dayton fixed and started wrestling to the middle of November, and he got five matches, so because he was able to go to an open tournament, okay? We didn't have that opportunity. Um, so to me, it limited how the seating was going to be done. I also think sometimes you have to use a little bit of a human element here and accept the fact all five guys you mentioned are all solid wrestlers, but these three Big Ten wrestlers are the best three in the conference. I mean, yeah. in the nation. That's my opinion. So my issue is, of these three guys, two of them should be one and two. And that's the bottom line. That's That potentially might not happen because they're going to be on the same side of the bracket. So to me, it doesn't make a difference for Seabass's chances, whether or not he gets Ironman in the quarters or what have you, or, or, or Nick Lee. He would have to beat both of them. I think if, you, if they were all one, two, and three, he would have had to go through both. I just think in terms of the Big Ten, they should be the ones one and two in the finals. No, I agree. I agree. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, makes makes a little excitement for Friday morning for everybody in the quarterfinals if it does work out that way. But we'll see what happens. Let's jump to uh, the other third place finisher. We went three and three for third. Bob Paz, to the corny, right? Yell Street. You know, what, what were your thoughts on him? Uh, his performance this was a guy had not been the year that we had with with the COVID situation probably would have redshirted um so and i'm not saying probably you never know because obviously jans are bumping up Carenti decided to move on um but there's a good solid chance he might have redshirted this guy comes out and just takes the world by storm okay what I loved about this tournament is he had the one loss, okay, to Owen. And we talked about that. I thought in the dual meet, um, I thought he was going to take that dual matchup. It's actually the Minnesota wrestler I was a little bit more, more afraid of. Um, it was vice versa. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. But long and the straight, he gets the big revenge, okay? And how does he do it? Doing what he does, okay? The big reversal puts him to his back pins him. That's what I talked about, John, when we first started going through the lineups earlier, when we first started kicking this off this season. What is going to impress people about Poznanski is his bottom game. You don't see true freshmen, especially at 184, come in and have a bottom game like he does, okay? And nobody has held him down, okay, for the most part. This guy's been able to get out. He doesn't just get out, though. As I told you, he's going to score from bottom. What does he do? He gets the Yale Street hook, puts, puts him to his back, gets the fall. And to me, 
obviously he wrestled the Penn State wrestler to me, I think has the capability of win winning the whole thing. Um, you know, that was going to be a tough matchup. I knew it going in, but for him to take out brands the way he did, and it's hard to talk about his semifinal matchup going in because obviously, um, you know, you had the injury default there, but he was, he did take a four, three lead. So to me, the momentum was on the side, big wins against brands who brings his own set of, you know, you no know, trouble to, to the, to the uh, matchup. But to me, just a great, just a great role. Third place finish at 184 as a true freshman in the Big Ten Championships. I, I don't know what else you can say. This kid's got All-American written all over him this year. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so why don't we get to – we got two other at-large bids. We got Jackson Turley, Billy Janzer. Yeah. I'll tell you, Jackson Turley, he wrestled an unbelievable – he wrestled, I believe uh, – 29 minutes of the Big Ten tournament, he wrestled unbelievable for 28 minutes and 30 seconds. He had that one bad move, uh, was up over Lar, tech to Lar previously, ended up getting pinned. Um, but other than that, he looked very good, being a tough Drew Hughes, um, came back to ninth, um, gave, uh, you know, uh, uh, gave, gave uh, the number two seed all he could handle. Um, I definitely like... Um, Turley's chances going into nationals. He seems to be wrestling really hot. Yeah, and you know the thing with Turley is live live by the sword, die far by the sword. We know he's he's a big he's a big play guy. Um, so in the loss, he I think he was up was he up four one. Um, so so yeah. he he was moving four. He, he he always goes for the big move. I'm not going to criticize him for him. That's how he wrestles. Okay, that's how he pulls off the big upsets. It's who he is. So to me, you're going to have to take the good with the bad with Turley. But I agree with you. He's really come on this year. We're seeing what we expected to see when they recruited him, okay, from Virginia. This was a, I think, four-time Virginia State champ. We knew he was an exciting wrestler. When he was going through his recruiting, it was always going to be said that this guy's going to light up the rack. So mm -hmm. I think we're starting to see what we expected now that he's in a way he feels comfortable with. The bottom line, John, is I think we both agreed he was most likely going to get an at-large if he didn't place here. I thought he did more than enough in the tournament. He's got enough big wins coming into this. So to me, um, he's one of the those guys who have an outside shot at all American uh, to me, it's still less than 50% because this is a tough weight class. Um, he did go neck and neck with Nebraska. I mean, it was a, what a two point loss there. Uh -huh. So that's a hell of a wrestler that he stood firm with his loss. We talked about it. It just, it's the way he wrestles. Um, to me, he comes back and beats that kid again. So to me, I think he's got a really odd shot to make some noise. I think he gets at least two wins in the national tournament. He's going to be knocking on the blood round. Whether or not he can break through or not, it really depends on how the, the brackets fall out, how he gets seeded. So I don't want to make any grand statements of what he's going to do nationally. He's exactly what we expected. Likewise, going up to 197, I think you and I both agreed that Jans are most likely, even if he didn't place in the top six or seven, was going to get an at-large bid. I think he's got enough name recognition. He had a great season, you know, ending off last year. He got the at-large last year. And we both know the Big Ten probably got screwed out of a couple of allocations here. Um, and I think they knew that. And I think he did enough in this tournament to show that he kept things close um, he's got the body of work going into it. So to me, Jans are getting that large made perfect sense. And again, I think he's going to have a little bit of a harder time than Turley to break through in the nationals. It doesn't mean he can't pull together a win or two in this tournament, but to me, I think he deserved the at large. So I'm comfortable with the five we have sending. I think it's the five we all expected 
125. Obviously, um, he, he made a hell of a little run. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit, but I like the future at 125. Yeah, I, I think he showed some some greatness in this tournament. I think the Big Ten got a little screwed at this weight because, you know, they, they, they were loaded. I mean, I, I really believe that the Big Ten should have set 12 at this weight. I think if it was a normal year, they would have gotten probably 11 out. At 11 automatic qualifiers. Um, I was looking at um, the qualifiers outside of the Big Ten. Um, the Big Ten did send, uh, they did get two of the at-large bids, um, Cardani and, and, and Chilver. Um, both of them, you look at their records and you look at their wins, they, they have some very credible wins. Um, yeah. You know, being, being Mitch McKee, who was ranked 11th at the time in this tournament. When I look at the other five at-large bids. I was just going through their records before this uh, this call. They, they all are about 10 and 2, but I don't think there was one top 25 win in, in, uh, in any of those five uh, wrestlers. So I think, uh, yeah, I think the future looks bright. I would have liked to have seen them take a, 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 a showver. I thought, um, you know, I, I was optimistic. I thought that he had a good shot just based off of his record and his losses are all the top 13 guys. You know, it's not like he lost to anyone that's not that good. The guys that are going, they have some losses to people outside of the 25 and they did not beat someone. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed with that. Uh, Kinyard, when I looked at who was on, who was out, yeah, we uh, didn't they get an automatic qualifier. I think it made sense that he wasn't going to get one just because even though I think he's better than a lot of guys at the tournament, the way it shook up, there were a lot of guys that were very good that did not get that automatic qualifier. Um, and he just didn't have the wins. He had the matches where he looked very good, but the W's are what they're looking at. Yeah, and if you go to 157, I mean, I'm going through the list of the at-large. We knew Hartman was going to get one for, for Army. I mean, this was a kid who had to default out of the tournament. Um, if you look at where he was in terms of, you know, his rankings and how he's been performing, this is, this was going to be an at-large pick right off the bat. So we knew right off the bat, you're taking one away. Um, you look at, you know, Vandermeer from Stanford. I think we mentioned him. I mentioned Jacob, Wright. So a lot of these names, Rufin, these were all guys that before we even kind of got to this point, we mentioned, we knew we we're going to take spots. So I think it was a numbers game here um, from Kennard, and we just knew the numbers weren't there. It's of no fault to his own. You know, if he doesn't go out there and wrestle, what can you do, okay? Yeah. Um, and the fact that his one big win against Cleary, obviously he didn't perform to task in the Big Tens. So that also went against him. Listen, it was a wild card to, to, to try to take a chance here. I also think Goodell didn't have any other options. I mean, what are you going to stick a D'Angelo or somebody out there that hasn't wrestled all year that, you know, they're not really prepared for 157, this meat grinder. So you had to hope that maybe Cleary went on a run here to make that win look better. And hopefully that something happened at the at-large that they would give him the bid. It didn't happen. I agree with you. It's, I hate to say it's the right call. It's the call I would have made in terms of 125. I agree with your overall premise. I think the big 10 really kind of got the short stick and simply because they half their half this weight class probably, sh you know, should be big 10 wrestlers. Um, I can make an argument for, for more. Um, but to me, we had a wrestler who was a true freshman who's coming in with very little resume had the big win against the Michigan, uh, you know, against the Minnesota wrestler. After that, it's really hard to make a long-term case, the fact that his history should get him in. So to me, I think I'm fine with how both shaked out. But as I told you, I think 125 is going to be really solid for us. I like how he wrestled, okay? Even against the kid Howard from Penn State, 
he fell behind pretty, pretty big. He had a hard time on bottom, but I don't know if you noticed that third period, he just didn't lay in the stomach and detect. He went after him. Okay. And I really liked the way Shaver wrestled in that third period against Howard. That showed me something. And they always tell you, you could see more in a loss than a win. That's a perfect example of that. And this was a kid who was gassing early in the tournament, even with his big win um, against the Minnesota wrestler, because he just hasn't had the body of work to, to stand up to this tournament. But I just like the way he, he closed out. I think this kid's got guts. I think he's got gumption. Um, I'm looking forward to him kind of, kind of coming out strong. And the last thing I'll say about 125 is Spencer Lee, Spencer Lee. But I don't know. I, he tweaked his knee there, okay, against uh, the Purdue wrestler. I don't know. Do you think he's hurt? Because he walked off the mat. If you read his lips, I don't know if he said I blew it out, um, but he didn't look too happy. And in that interview, he looked up, not concerned, but you can definitely see frustration. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, he has two weeks to, but maybe there's a little bit of a kink in that armor there and someone could uh, pull off the un unthinkable at 125. Um, but he looked amazing. Um, yeah, and speaking about dominant wrestlers, what about heavyweight? Gable? You know, we talked about early on whether or not Paris um, was up to the task. I had made a comment that I said no one is in Gable Stevens, Stevenson's universe. I took some crap when I said that on, on one of the um, Rutgers forums, um, and I was getting lectured how far Paris has come. And even you talked about it, John, how this guy is improving. I started to, to drink the Kool-Aid because I agree with you. This kid's rounding into form. I think he's going to make a run at the heavyweight in terms of not just in the collegiate scene, but I yeah. think in the international scene. I hate, I hate to say I was right, but what I saw from Gable, I mean, you know, I don't know if Paris just came out a little tight. Um, but to me, if you're going to break through on Gable, you got to suck it up and tie in and get close. You cannot from space on this kid okay i'm not calling a kid he's a grown man at this point but if you're not going to tie up and go toe-to-toe -to -toe with gable you're not taking him down okay and i saw that i saw Parrish wrestling almost like he was tying up from the outside trying to get and he took a shot it was almost a dive and once he did that i think gable knew he had him i think he senses fear and not so much fear but tentativeness and gable just took him apart picked him apart after that and i would say two things one one thing you'll notice about Gable, John, the way he shoots, the angles he takes, and that's what makes a superior wrestler. It's not your level change. It's not how deep of a shot. But if you can get an angle, and the sweep single he had into the double, the angle he took to get it and the speed he did it, you don't see that from heavyweights, okay? I haven't seen a shot like that since Kyle Snyder did it. And Gable is, is 20, 30 pounds heavier than Kyle Snyder. So I was really impressed with the shots and the angles. And in terms of the extracurricular activity, Listen, I'm not going to get into Gable as a person. I don't know him personally, but this kid's going to be one hell of a WWE star one day. No, I agree, man. I, I just think uh, you're right. I mean, uh, Mason has been improving, but he's not there yet. Maybe in two years, if Gable stays around, um, he might have a shot at catching him. But uh, Gable just showed that he is unbelievable. I think for the Hodge with that type of performance, I think they're going to give it to Spencer just because Spencer is going to be so dominant. But if I feel healthy. like John, if I he's healthy. Like Gable deserves it. If Gable is because of the strength of competition, if Gable dominates everybody and then beats Paris again like he did at Big Tens, I think Gable is a deserving Hodge Trophy winner. Spencer does what Spencer does uh, just because of the strength of competition. 1.5, you don't have a world-class class athlete like Mason Paris there. Um, but I think at the end of the day, they're going to get this.
Okay. John, my last comment on the Big Ten championships is Ryan Deacon. I don't think we've given this kid enough credit for how dominant he's turning into at 157. Um, I haven't, when we talk about the Spencer Lees, the Gables, and all these guys, mm-hmm. I think Deacon is just, he's quietly turning into a complete stud. And no, he's, he's not going to win the Hodge. Okay. But when yeah. you talk about that second tier wrestler, uh, when I mean second tier, I'm talking about the A list. He's mm-hmm. right up there. I've been impressed how he's wrestling. I think he blows through the Nationals. Um, I just I just think it needs to point out how well Deacon is wrestling right now. No, I agree. I think, like you said, quietly coming along. I mean, he's 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 the third best guy um, in you know at, at, at pound for pound, in my opinion. I mean, absolutely. I did Italy, David Carter are going to try to have something to say about it, but Deacon just seems like he's at another level than these guys at 157. Um, he's been kind of just slowly and and but surely try, uh, you know uh, distancing himself from the field that that was a tough uh, weight class at 157 in the Big Ten and he just totally went through and dominated it. I, I see him doing the same at Nationals. Maybe Hidley or Carr, whoever comes out of that bottom bracket, can give him a somewhat of a match. But I think he wins. I think he wins in the finals by an easy like you know four points. I agree. And and speaking of car, why don't we jump to the big 12? Um, And I just got to give a shout out to my man, John, because he's been preaching the AJ. I'm too sexy for my car Ferrari the whole time. And, you know, we've had an opportunity to meet AJ a couple of times, obviously at final X and so forth. Rutgers was recruiting him, but talk to me about AJ. Talk to me about 197 and talk to me about the big 12. So listen, I've been following him on, on Instagram, see him getting his haircut, see him training, this guy is not real. It's not, it's not real. You can't have a guy named AJ Ferrari that does these dances on Instagram, gets his hair cut, looks the way he does. It's just not real. It's like a fake thing is happening here with this guy. Um, this weight class was loaded in the Big 12. Uh, the names in there was unbelievable. Um, a lot of, lot of top-ranked guys. He goes on a tear. He beats... Jake Woodley a couple times they had close matches. He beats him eight four. Then he goes Tanner Sloan seven one, and Buchanan almost gets the major on him. It was an interesting thing. It came down he needed the major for the team to win, but he beats him thirteen to eight. Who Buchanan beat previous number one Noah Noah Adams twice. So this guy. It's just not real. He's going to be the first five-time uh, Division One national champion in, in history. Um, I'm telling you, I, I called that a couple weeks ago. People said I was crazy, but it's just not real to have somebody that looks like him that does his Instagram stuff. And that is that good of a wrestler. He could be doing all the nonsense and then be a horrible wrestler. But this guy is a real deal. He's under John Smith. I would have loved to see him come to Rutgers, but I, I, I think he's going uh, he, to take it. Yep. I can't argue. Yep. Also, I want to say in the Big 12, 125 was a very tough weight. Uh, Brody Teske beat Taylor Lamont, but then on the back end, uh, Killian Cardinal, he came to party. He took third. He had a big win over uh, Trevor Mastriodani and Danny Vega, you know, ran the gamut back, took third. He's going to be a threat coming to the Nationals. This 125-pound weight class at the National Tournament, I mean, you got, you got Spencer, 
and you got everybody else. I mean, anybody has a shot here. So Tony Cardinal, his uncle, um, Isaiah Cardinal, wrestled at Rutgers. He was a part of the union up there, um, you know, and, and, you know, he's really uh, coming along. I think he's quietly making a good name for himself. Had a great year last year, third in the Big 12. He's right there with all these 125-pounders. I think he could uh, definitely make a run next, in two weeks. And 133, Dayton Fix obviously made his return, um, and he's just been he's just been lights out since he's gotten back. And listen, I still like RBY. I, I like the win he had, um, you know, at, at Big Tens. Um, maybe a little criticism that maybe he was showboating a little bit with the stalling, kind of running away a little bit. But to me, that's how you defeat the Iowa wrestler. Okay. Um, you know, bottom line is it's going to be an interesting matchup. And I think there's a lot of good wrestling in the Big 12, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I think both came away with a tie for the title. But um, listen, we'll, we'll, we'll pick up on this when the Nationals come, once the seeding comes in. But again, I agree with you. 125 outside of Spencer Lee, as long as he's healthy, to me, is wide open. All right. Yep. You got it. Hey, you know, a lot of wrestling. We're going to be back in a, in a little while to, to break when these brackets come back, come, come out. We're going to break them down. Um, you know, let's let's head to Southern Victory, Eric. I know some things happened in the Pelicone. Let's tell us about that in Italy. Yeah, well, I think we had a little Italian home cooking here because despite out significantly outshooting out Chimizo, the official decided to place Jordan Burroughs on, on the festivity clock a couple of times. That cost him the win here. But on the side, I didn't see the same aggression. I didn't see the sock pulled off. I didn't see the Jordan Burroughs we're used to seeing. So to me, despite being put on, on the shot clock, which I question, okay, I know it's a little bit different from stalling. It's more about controlling the center of the mat, but hard not to give him, um, you know, a little bit of the benefit doubt there. 165 is on notice. I think Kalatek is lurking. Let's see what happens. But I think Jordan recovers. I think he's just getting his weight in line. I think he's just trying to get in game shape. I think he's going to be ready to roll. John, talk to me about Miles Lee and Kate Ferrier's fighting championships. Oh, man, long time coming. Miles Lee this weekend makes his pro debut. People don't know about this kid. Third-year wrestler, makes the finals at Fargo, losing to one Jacob Warner uh, from Iowa. Um, he, he's the real deal. I trained with him when he was 16, you know, when I was training for my fight. Uh, unbelievable double, unbelievable strength, undefeated amateur career, um, won the Cage Fury title. This kid is going to be the real deal. Keep an eye on him this weekend on UFC Fight Pass. Also, Neil Jones uh, fighting for the heavyweight strap. Uh, going to be a good one. Check that out. Uh, back to you, Eric. More from the Pelicone. Yeah, our boy Nicky Suriano continues his role for the Olympics and his attempt to, you know, make the team. He took two tough losses, very close losses, both to Afghani wrestler, but I think he's starting to come into form. I do like how he's wrestling, okay? He is not the same freestyle wrestler he was, you know, a couple of years ago, but to me, again, that first loss he took, a little bit of a hand fight issue, hands to the face, things of that nature, but again, he'll round out to form. I like the way he's wrestling. He takes second, and the other wrestler I want to mention is Mark Hall. He once again takes a loss to Zayi Valencia. This time 11 nothing. I feel like Valencia is really wide in the gap to Mark Hall going back to their college days. Okay, so to me, if Mark Hall is going to make a run here in the Olympics, he's got to take care of business at home. I like the way Zayi's wrestling. One other mentioned wrestler I want to mention kind of locally, and that's Tyler Graff and JRTC. He takes the bronze. Nice wrestling from him. Hopefully he can make one more team here. But again, a little bit of Rutgers news there. Nice job by Tyler Graff. John, UFC card this weekend. What do you got? Oh, man. Big fight. Three titles fight. Amanda Nunes keeps the title. Aljamain Sterling got hit with an illegal knee. Those guys are going to run it back. 